everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning, um, I have to laugh somewhat at the title of this series uh, because in, in one sense, it can kind of set me up for whoever is speaking for a win because it's like when your series is called The Letdown, there's nowhere to go but up, right? You're like, this is the series that is horrible. So let's have fun. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this, um, uh, about this series, about these next few weeks that we're going to be unpacking uh, this topic. I'm going to talk more about that here in a second. But first of all, I do want to just uh, highly encourage you all on a couple points that Monica has already made. Uh, today is uh, a great way of new things that are being launched, not just the new series, uh, but City 101, the beginning of our rhythm of City 101, as well as City Groups this weekend. And um, we really do uh, believe that the church is the family of God, and part of connecting and being a part of family is, is learning the culture and learning the language and, and beginning to understand our purpose and what it is that we are about. Why, why are we here? Why do we exist? And so uh, it's important for us that you who are coming, especially if you've come over uh, a consistent amount of time and you start to feel like, man, I think this might be a place where uh, I can call home. We want you to know what home is. And what does that mean? And so City 101 is, we do a rotation of this, uh, n- now beginning this new rotation. We'll do one this month in, in October as well as in November. Uh, but these are an opportunity for you to come and hear, what does this whole connecting nightlife thing mean? What, why Why would I not just attend and sit in a seat, but why would I actually link arms with the people in here to accomplish something? What is it that we're here to accomplish? I tell you, it's a lot more than this showing up and checking off the church box on Sunday. And so please uh, don't see that as just a burdensome thing, just another thing. I'm telling you, if God's called you to be a part of this team, it is an incredible, incredible tool, and it's going to help you get connected even faster. So I really want to encourage you to sign up for that if you have not already. And the second thing is city groups. And uh, I'll lean into this some in, in this message because it really is important is that God has called us to make disciples and to be disciples. And really, I know maybe for some of you, disciple, the word disciple can maybe be a, a confusing word or a misconstrued word. But really what it means is about being a people who are following Jesus. We are being disciplined followers of Jesus. And part of doing that is just taking the next step forward and doing that within community. Uh, And so we want to be intentional about that. And city groups are the way in which we build that community to help us move forward in Christ, to come around the scripture, to come around God's word. If you were here last week, you heard me talk about the importance of, of us as believers. God has given us his word. He's given us himself to feed us so that we can grow, grow in strength, grow in maturity. And that is why we come and we look at God's word in our city groups 
so that we can all grow and that we can grow together in whatever place that we find ourselves. So I really want to encourage you, if you haven't already, sign up for a city group. Um, this is, uh, it is a beautiful way to connect to other people and to build authentic community, which I'm excited about. And one last thing before I get into my messages, uh, there is this little card right here that was in your seat. And that's just an invite card and a seed card. And, and I really want to encourage you to give this to somebody this week. Think of somebody that you can invite to be a part of this family, especially over the course of this series. I believe that there's a lot of felt needs that we're going to touch on that you know is not just your need and it's not just a couple people in here, but it's a collective need in the longing of humanity. And we want to direct people to real hope. And so if you know somebody, if you're working with somebody, if you have a family member, uh, I want to encourage you, invite them. Let's believe God. We're here to be a light into darkness. And one of the ways that we can be a light is by inviting people to come and connect with the people of God. Amen? All right. So this morning, we're going to get into this series. During this series, we're going to talk about and deal with the topic of disappointment. And as we go through this series, our source text that's going to help us frame this conversation is going to come from the book of Psalms. So would you go ahead and turn with me to the songbook? It is near the middle of the scripture if you have a physical Bible um, and you just open it up and then you can turn to the left a bit. We're going to start in Psalms 42. If you have your phone, it's a lot faster probably. Uh, and if you don't have either, we're going to have it up on the screen for you. We're going to read this passage and then we'll explain it here shortly says, <clears throat> to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah, verse 1, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go to the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts of songs of praise and multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from the Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, all the breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, then at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I mourn because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? In verse 11, we see a common refrain that we saw in verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Why don't you bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is life. Lord, we thank you that your word is true. And we thank you that your word not only gives us hope, but it gives us wisdom this morning. It gives us 
wisdom and, and in some ways a compass by which we can navigate through rough waters and difficult terrain. Lord, it points us to true north. It points us to our hope, to our salvation. Lord, help us not to trust in our own devices, but to be anchored in you alone this morning. Help me to communicate your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, you know, as we talk about the topic of disappointment, um, I think it's an it's a honest and a very accurate, accurate statement that this is an ache and this is a challenge and this is an issue that all humanity faces in various levels and in various degrees. We can be disappointed in a range of things, um, whether it is disappointment and heartache that comes from the retirement of your star quarterback a couple weeks before the season starts. <sighs> or perhaps it is disappointment in your career path, disappointment in a relationship. You know, it could be disappointment because of a loss, a family loss. Disappointment in a miscarriage, disappointment in a missed uh, promotion, disappointment in betrayal. There are ranges of disappointment that we can face. And interesting enough, even though they may vary in degrees, the way in which we respond in whatever disappointment we face actually builds muscle memory and is training us how to process these things. You hear me this morning? And so it's important that we are wise and that we are mindful of the way that we process in our go-tos and our default settings. And probably for most of us, and I would say for all of humanity at one point, we actually have to hit the hard reset because we are all programmed because of the fall of sin. We are all programmed to respond in the wrong way when it comes to disappointment and the ache and longing that comes as a result of it. Do you hear me this morning? And so this morning I want to help us reset and be reminded of how we, how, we are to how we are to process this. So I want to make this statement. Christ is the hope that anchors our souls amidst the storms of disappointment. I'm going to say that again. Christ is the hope that anchors our souls amidst the storm of disappointment. Now, I'm going to make this one point. This is actually isn't in my notes. This is really just an application to you all as hearers and listeners. Is I want to encourage you, whether you are taking notes on your device through Evernote or you're writing it down in a notebook or journal, is that everything that you hear when we come and we gather is for you to be able to take and not just hear it, but do it and apply it and grow. And so when you come on a Sunday morning, you want to come with your Bible, you want to come with something to write with and something to write on. Why? Because you're not just writing it on paper, you're writing it on the tablet of your heart. And you're writing it in your brain. 
And you're going to remember it a lot more if you actually begin to write it down. And maybe some of you say, well, you know, I'm going to listen now and then I'm going to listen to the podcast later and write it down and take notes. However you're doing it, I really want to encourage you, don't let these moments pass by and we say amen. And then when we're in the trial, we forget the word that was there for us and the provision that was there for us because we didn't actually take hold of it. So that, that's just a gentle rebuke, exhortation, encouragement, whatever Whatever you needed, you know what I'm saying? Whether you needed the feather or the hammer, just be blessed. Uh, however you receive. Okay, Christ is the hope that anchors our souls amidst the storms of disappointment. So, you know, one of the things that I love about the Psalms, and as we unpack this, it provides an incredible source for us because it's more than a songbook. So the song, Psalms mean song. And it is a collection, it is a it is an incredible catalog of songs that range in many different ways. But it's not just a songbook that's been used for thousands and thousands of years. It's actually, in, in many ways, it's instruction. It's a manual by which we can learn how to approach God with our everyday situations. By which we can learn how to be real and engage a real God who gives us real hope. Even when it means that being real is recognizing that sometimes our emotions and what we're experiencing and what we're feeling can be all over the map, all over the range of, of emotionality and anything from great, greatest joys to the depths of despair. And so I want to unpack a couple concepts this morning as we look specifically at Psalm 42. The first is I want to look at how we can come to God with our emotional honesty and authenticity. And second of all, I want to talk about how hope, hope in him is really the key to surviving our disappointments. Now, again, going back to the Psalms, just like any great catalog, if you think about some of your favorite artists, you know, particularly when it comes into the songwriting world or when it comes into copywriting and all these things, we, Kelly and I have written some songs and one of the things that we understand and when you come to know if you're a songwriter is you register your songs and there's publishing and there's catalogs and extensive catalogs of a range of songs and you look at your favorite artists many times there's songs that you've never heard of that they have already registered and there's a range of experience that comes with that now um, within those catalogs whether you know whoever your favorite artist is there's a range of topics within those songs now I don't know how many of you are big country fans but I got baptized in New Country last night at the Florida Georgia Line concert. My God. And uh, last night, Kelly and I, you know, it was Kelly's birthday was this week, and I wanted to just do something special for my Kentucky queen. For those of you who don't know, Kelly is from Lexington, Kentucky, and she's got some country, some bluegrass in her bones, and I love that about her. But that was one of those things where, like, I just was not a fan of country growing up. And when I moved to Nashville, it was like, Lord, you're sending me to the wilderness because this is the land of honky-tonk. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. But we, we went to this, to this concert last night. And, you know, it was, I got to say, going to a Florida Georgia Line concert at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway had to be the most Hoosier and white thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> All in one evening, 
wrapped up. I mean, there was a handful of black people, but it was kind of like more of like the specks in a vanilla bean ice cream rather than a swirl. You're like, it's out here, but we know what flavor this is, if we're being honest, right? Uh, but, you know, when, when you listen to their range of songs, I mean, one, I got to give it to them. Like, I, I, I can appreciate excellence on any level. And those guys are amazing entertainers, They're incredible musicians, just phenomenal musicianship. And, and the songwriting, whether I agree with everything that was being said, they're very, uh, very intentional and excellent songwriters. why they've been so successful. There's over 25,000 people last night that paid money to go to this concert. It's incredible. Um, but one of the things that is interesting, it's not just about them, it's about any artist that you listen to, is not every song is the same. There's party songs, right? There's celebration songs. There's, there's songs that talk about, you know, uh, you know, uh, being bored on a Friday night or being shady on a Saturday night, right, or saying prayers on Sunday morning. They got every day covered. They're just going right through them, right? And usually it involves some level of listening to the radio, the jeans you have on, or what we're drinking, like something on that range. But they're different genres. There's, there's songs just like any, uh, any catalog. The Psalms have different songs for different occasions and seasons of life. There are psalms of praise. There are psalms of thanksgiving. There are psalms of lament. Psalms of, of expressing grief and ache and longing. There are royal psalms. The psalms were chiefly written by King David, and there are songs of royalty and majesty and royal proclamations, and there are also psalms of wisdom. Now, this particular psalm, Psalm 42, is known as a maskil or a mashkil, and it refers to a psalm of wisdom. Now, for those of you who uh, may be more familiar with what comes after the psalms, there's a book called Proverbs. Proverbs is written by Solomon, the son of King David, and he wrote the Proverbs to be practical application, practical statements and nuggets to help us have wisdom to live by. And so this specific psalm was given, not just as a grievance, but there's actually practical nuggets and reasoning that this was placed in there for the congregation. This was, it talks about personal ache, but it's also speaking to a corporate dynamic. And I'll explain later how this was really declared in a corporate setting as well. So this is a practical psalm that the writer is recognizing that all of us are going to deal with these things. So first of all, I want to talk about the emotional honesty of this psalm. So my first main point that I want to make is this. You must be emotionally honest. You must be emotionally honest. Do you hear me this morning? Do you hear me this morning? Come on, let me know that you're here. You must be emotionally honest. Hard circumstances are real. Financial struggles are real. Job loss is real. Health issues are real. Infertility is real. Racism is real. Addiction is real. Betrayal is real. Why? Because sin and brokenness is real. And we live in it. And we're born with it. We are born. Yes, we were ultimately 
created in this earth by God, but because of the fall of man, we are born broken. So when people talk about, you know, this is just who I am, I was born this way, on any scale, you were born broken. Yes, we were born broken. We were born with brokenness and longing. We were born addicted to the wrong thing. We were born marked with the stain of sin. And even on the other side of redemption in this life, until Christ returns and fulfills all things, we will still have to deal with the reality of the brokenness. You know, when you look at the five stages of grief, the first is denial. And I think that at times, within the context of church, or within different religious communities, we have, under the banner of faith, been functioning in denial. Because we've somehow said, it's, it's almost like, whether it was spoken or unspoken, we've almost taken on this mindset that the only way we can be a people of faith is if we don't acknowledge the pain. You know, it's like, if I'm walking up here, I saw this happen, I saw a YouTube video of this, and it was the funniest thing. This lady, she was exhorting, exhorting in a worship service, she was going hard. She was going hard, y'all. And she did one of these, like she was marching and she misstepped off the stage and fell. And she tried to hop up real quick, but you could tell someone right with her leg. <laughs> but she kept going. She kept praying that prayer of faith. She's like, that was not going to trip me up. I'm like, but your leg's broken, ma'am. Your leg is broken. The devil doesn't have to trip you up, but you need a doctor, okay? And, and at times, I feel like we, we can think that you know, disappointment or dealing with negative emotions or having negative emotions in situations, for some reason we can attach it to that being having a lack of faith or being linked with sin. Like the reason I feel this is because something's wrong with me. I've done something wrong and that's why I'm feeling this. And if I'm a good Christian, then I won't acknowledge these feelings. Y'all hear me this morning. And that's stupid. It's foolish. It's, it's unnecessary. Okay? Uh, because I want you to know that sometimes I think we, we take that route as though if we acknowledge the reality of our pain, like, God can't deal with that. It's like, oh, I don't want to acknowledge that because then if I acknowledge that, like, are you strong enough to deal with the real thing? Yeah, he is. We have a real hope. But we also have real pain. And it's okay to recognize it. You know, all of these things, they exhaust us. Pain, disappointment, processing emotions, it can drain us. It can cause us to become very in touch with this sense of a longing. <clears throat> a longing, whether it be a longing for healing, a longing for refreshing, a longing for restoration, a longing for restitution. And having these feelings, processing this longing, is not a sin. However, here's the key. 
who or what we turn to in the midst of disappointment, who or what we turn to looking for hope is what makes all the difference. That's really where the rub is here. You see, the psalmist acknowledges at the beginning of this passage that there is longing. He says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. He acknowledges that there is a desire and there is a longing. However, where David is correct in his, and you can tell he's trained and he has disciplined his heart and his soul in this, is he recognizes that the answer and the hope and the one that is to satisfy that is God. Now, we, though, oftentimes are trained to go to other sources for this hope, whether it's career, relationships, friends and family. Sometimes it's our own talent or intellect. I'm going to get myself out of this situation. Many times when we have an ache or a longing or, or disappointment in areas, we look to a political figurehead or party to give us this sense of hope. We look to sports teams. You know, the reality is, like, as silly as it may seem to, like, be up in arms and completely devastated by Andrew Luck's retirement, the truth is that was a real grief that folks had to walk through. People, you know, the sportscasters, some of you, you might be completely oblivious to this, but many, you know, who are wearing Colts gear today, uh, know uh, there were sports media nationally just trashed uh, many of the Colts fans because some people were booing when they found out at the preseason game that Luck was actually on the sidelines for that he had retired, and they started booing him as he went into the locker room. And people were like, how do these people boo? Why are they upset? And the reality is, is there's a grief. There's a process of, of, of anger and processing emotion. Why? Because people in different ways put their hope in a sports team. It gives them escape from reality. They turn to their favorite team winning. It's whether it's their fantasy league or whatever emotional, chemical release and satisfaction they get from associating with the victory of another to compensate for the lack of victory in their own lives, there are things that we run to to give us hope. Sometimes it's substance abuse. For many, it's pornography. You know, one of the interesting things when it comes to pornography is this, and, and I know this might be something to wrestle with you, but all of these things, in some way, shape, or form, they, whether it be even in the midst of it being temporary and broken, all of these things in one shape or form have comforted people. People go back to them because even if it was limited and broken, it gave them a quick fix. It gives us a quick fix. And so we can quickly demonize them, and we should reject sin. But we also have to recognize that there is a need underneath that addiction. Most people don't just run to things because just, they're just looking for something evil to do. Most people run to these things because there's an ache and there's a longing. And I'd also say there's an eternal longing 
that we're trying to fulfill with finite means. That's really the heart of idolatry. You know, really the, the, the claim of an idol and what makes an idol so problematic is that idols claim to be able to fulfill an eternal need and longing without actually having eternal power and authority to do so. That's why I get really uh, cautious and frustrated when I hear politicians claim to be able to fulfill things that can only be fulfilled through the return of Christ and the kingdom. When I hear politicians talking about being able to bring unity and bring peace to certain things, I'm like, ah, uh, bruh, that is above your dominion. It just is. It just is. But, like the psalmist, we have to learn to be okay with acknowledging. You know, one of the things I love about, you see it in verse 3, verse 5, verse 6, you know, when you read verse 3, I mean, this reads like a classic late 1990s emo song, right? My tears have been my food day and night, right? It's like dashboard confessionals. This is beautiful. So you're like, dashboard what? Like, what is that? It's not like a confession sheet that pops up on your screen or your dad. No, it's not. Um, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 5. Why, uh, not verse 5, that's not what I wanted to read. Uh, yeah, verse, uh, verse 6. Where he says, and my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan, Hermon. He talks about being downcast. He talks about, you know, this sense of feeling like he was forgotten. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? You'll see this throughout the Psalms. What's interesting is this is truly marked as a psalm of wisdom. There are songs of lament that even go deeper, where, 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 or, or, or go even more specific of some of the struggles that David was dealing with. When you look into this specific psalm, there wasn't, it's not necessarily tied to a specific historical point that David was going to. It's more of a general psalm written to deal with heartache and disappointment and longing. And yet there are other psalms at times which will go even deeper where he's talking about specific issues and times where friends were betraying him and where he was overwhelmed, sometimes because of his own sin and his own Un, uh, undone by his own uh, bad decisions and poor leadership. But nonetheless, he's learning how to be honest, how to be vulnerable. You know, we've got city groups starting up this week. And come on, come on with that whoop. And one of the things that's so important and why I believe in having small groups and city groups is because we want them to be spaces where we do real life application of God's word. So it's not just meant to be a Bible study that is detached from the reality of our situation. And it's certainly not meant just to be a humanistic huddle where we talk about all of our feelings and like quote a couple completely misquoted scriptures out of context that we saw on Instagram one time, but it made us feel good, so let's all huddle around it. We want to be able to look at God's word and be anchored in truth, 
But in the midst of that, be able to recognize we can still be real. The thing about an anchor is this, is that when you think about an anchor, an anchor on a boat, is the anchor, it's weighty. And you place it so that in the midst of a storm or in the midst of changing and rough waters, that even as you may rise and fall and move and shake and the wind may blow, you won't be destroyed. You won't lose your foundation. You won't be completely shipwrecked. God being our anchor doesn't mean you're not going to feel the wind. God being our anchor doesn't mean that the waves are not going to come and crash against the sides of you. But it means that we can acknowledge those things and also know that we don't have to be destroyed. That there is a truth that has weightiness to it that can keep us on solid ground. That we can trust that is faithful. It's important that when it comes to our emotions that we don't either ignore them or idolize them. We can go on both of these swings of the pendulum and both are wrong and both are fatal. So as I said my first thing, you must be emotionally honest. We want to be emotionally honest, but here's the thing. You must be anchored to hope in Christ. You must be anchored to hope in Christ. Now, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 actually kind of go hand in hand. And one of the things that you will see is a common refrain. You see this in Psalm 42 in verses 5 and verses 11. It's like a chorus in a song, if you will. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Then it says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And the thing I love about this chorus, a good chorus, it's going to give you that, it's going to say kind of the most important thing and the most important statement that needs to be a refrain in your heart and your mind. And I think that the two points of both being emotionally honest but also being anchored in Christ are found in this chorus and this refrain. One of the best questions that you can ask yourself in being emotionally honest is why do I feel this way? One of the things that an incredible counselor that I've been able, I've been blessed to connect with and he's ministered to myself, he's connected, ministered to Kelly and us as a couple. But one of the things he talks about is being curious and compassionate about our feelings. Is asking the question, what, one, what am I feeling? And why am I feeling this way? He always says, trigger feeling meaning. What's the trigger? What triggered this emotion? What does it mean? What's the feeling attached to it? And what's the meaning from it? And it's important that we ask ourselves, why, why do I feel downcast? What is causing me to feel this fill in the blank? But at the same time, also recognizing that there is a hope that is greater, and there is an answer to our longing that is eternal beyond our current circumstance. So we can say, at the same time, why are you cast down on my soul? 
why are you in turmoil within me, being emotionally and intellectually honest, and at the same time remind our soul and remind ourself that we can have hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now, one of the things that I mentioned before is that because we live in a broken world, because of the fall that we see in Genesis, from that point on, we were marked with brokenness. Sin entered the world. The beautiful thing is, from that very moment, hope was also revealed. Because when God stepped into the garden and he asked Adam a very important question, he said, where are you? And it wasn't because he didn't know where he was. He wasn't like, Siri, find Adam. Like, that wasn't the situation. This is the first time ever that Adam, who was formed by God, who was filled with the breath of God, who was made fully alive and placed in perfect fellowship, not just with God, but with humanity. God made woman and man and woman were in perfect fellowship. It says man and woman were naked and unashamed. There was freedom. There was vulnerability. There was no need to hide. There was no need to dominate over one and the other. There was perfect mutual submission and fellowship and connection, connection, connection with God. And for the very first time, Adam is separated. Adam is at enmity with God. Adam has rejected God, has been marked with sin, and his eyes have been awakened to shame. It says Adam's response was that he hid. He said, I, I heard you and I was afraid. Why was he afraid? God had never abused him. God had never neglected him. God had never rejected him. He was marked by shame and guilt. And now he felt that separation. And God didn't come in and just blast him and reject him and heap more shame onto him and call him a worthless piece of crap you should hide. I don't even want to see you. God actually explains. He recognizes the brokenness that took place. But then he proceeds to prophesy the plan for restoration. He speaks a prophetic word over Eve that the one who will crush the head of the serpent will come from her. He then makes coverings for Adam and Eve with the skin, with animal skin. There's a shedding of blood and it's a foreshadowing that I already have a plan for us to be in right fellowship. Because right now, that's, I'm, I'm excited about that. But the thing I've just, he recognizes right now you are feeling the ache and the longing because you were made to be with me. You were made to be whole. You were made to be free of shame. You were never intended to feel the sting of fear, ever. You were never created to experience the insecurity 
that you feel when others look upon you for good or for evil, but just that thing in your brain tells you, I'm not good enough. You're never meant for that. And I recognize you're actually feeling that right now. But before the foundations of the world, I had a plan. Because you're made for me. God had an eternal hope. In Romans, Romans 10, you've heard us say this before when we talk about receiving Jesus, confessing that he's Lord, believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Why is that so important? It's because the resurrection, the resurrection is, is, it is the essential it is the most important contributing factor to the hope that we have. Because our hope is not just in intellectual ascension. Our hope is not just in figuring out how to do the right things. Our hope is not just, well, this person, I put my hope in this person, and they messed up, but I'm going to find somebody who's not going to disappoint me. It's a myth. Every human will disappoint you. If your hope is in your career path, you will climb the career ladder. You will get all the promotions and all the money and the best 401k, and you'll get to the top and realize, I'm still broken. Because only an eternal hope can satisfy an eternal longing. This is why the psalmist says, hope in God, for I shall, I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. One of the most important attributes and most powerful Weapons and tools and gifts that we have for navigating through these waters is the power of song. It truly is. When we sing, it is releasing and into the atmosphere an authority and a declaration that shapes things and changes things. We were made in the image of God, and as that, we have to be reminded that it was our God, our creator, our father who spoke and the galaxies were formed. He spoke and all that we see was formed. He spoke and life came. And when we speak, there is power in our words. And the word tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when we praise, what we're doing is we're releasing the truth and the truth of God and the faithfulness of God over the reality of our circumstances and reminding ourselves of our eternal hope. Now, one thing that you'll notice at the beginning of this, at the beginning of this psalm, it says a masculine. Again, this is telling us, it's keying us in that this is a psalm of wisdom, but it also says this, it gives this caveat. And I think it's hilarious. It says, to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever read this and you've seen that and you just go go on to the Psalms or you've thought, man, who's Cora? Like, I I think I might know an Aunt Cora. She makes a great mean cornbread. She's amazing. Aunt Cora. But it's actually very significant that you know what this is coming from. So the sons of Korah were actually descendants of, the co- of Moses' cousin Korah. And they were a specific people who were known as being prophetic and anointed worshipers. And so anybody who was reading this psalm would know that there was a time where the sons of Korah and the Korahites actually had a very powerful and declarative moment that changed, the, changed a situation that seemed very dire. In Second Chronicles, we see a situation where King Jehoshaphat has been surrounded by those who are coming to destroy him and coming to destroy and come against God's people. And it's in this moment that Jehoshaphat is as the king, and really as the king, he was also the leader of the armies. He's going to the Lord to inquire for wisdom and insight. How do I deal with this very real trial that's in front of me? Worship team, you can go ahead and come up. How do I deal with this real big problem that in the natural, if you don't move, we will be destroyed? I don't know about you guys, I I deal with real issues that if God does not move, I will be destroyed. I don't, you can put pastor in front of my name or not. If God doesn't move, I'm done. If he ain't real, let's all just go home. Let's take a long Sunday nap. King Jehoshaphat, in this moment of seeking God, It says in verse 18 of chapter 20, Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with the face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the Kohathites and the Korites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Everybody say established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. Say succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, this is what they were to say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 22 says this, And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, and and praise, I'm sorry, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. Yes. He didn't ignore that there was a very real issue. He didn't ignore the fact that there were enemies at his doorstep 
waiting to destroy him and his people and plunder all that they had and wipe them off the face of the earth. But in the midst of that reality, there was a greater revelation that our God is great. And we are going to praise and declare of his goodness and his faithfulness even in the midst of our opposition. Because he's delivered us in the past and he's going to deliver us even un, even in the midst of hardship. I want to tell you that there are pains and there are disappointments and there are challenges that we face that aren't just going to go away and be solved because we sing a song. You know, even when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he came out of the grave wrapped in burial clothes. And, I mean, Jesus raised the man from the dead. If he just wanted to, like, zap the burial clothes and let him come out just free and clear, he could have done that. But there was something about when Jesus, he sent others and he said, hey, go unwrap those clothes off of him. There's some of you in here today that you've actually, God has raised you from the dead. You're walking in resurrection life, and yet you're still wrapped in burial clothes. There's still areas of disappointment and brokenness and things that you can't unwrap yourself. And so I want to encourage you that do not feel overwhelmed. We, we can, I would encourage you, please connect and go spend time, invest in a Christian counselor. Be honest find safe people who love Jesus that's why again we love our city groups that love Jesus can point you to his word and that are a little bit ahead of the game a few steps further in their faith that can help you unpack and unwrap some of these things but in the midst of getting unwrapped and in the midst of processing it we should still remind ourselves that we are not without hope. That we have an anchor that is weightier and stronger than any storm that we will face. And if we can be anchored in him, even as you process disappointments, even as you experience the turbulence and the crashing you will not be destroyed. We're going to end today by singing a song that we sang earlier, Hope's Anthem. And I want to encourage you, even as we learn and we retrain and reset ourselves to worship the Lord and to go to the Lord and to be reminded of Him rather than running to other things for hope. Let this be a first step of obedience, of learning God in the midst of this. I'll say it this way. Disappointment is an appointment for praise. When I'm feeling disappointment, it's a good indicator that there's a longing and there's a brokenness that I'm feel, feeling and experiencing that Christ will ultimately restore and fulfill. And so it's an opportunity not to ignore it, but to recognize there's hope.
there is a hope. There is one, one who came on this earth and lived a perfect life. He did not disappoint. He was faithful. And this unblemished, spotless lamb was crucified and was beaten and took on all of our shame and all of our brokenness and all of the betrayal and all of the disappointment and all of the lack and all of the hatred and all of the things that are wrong and he took it upon himself because only he could take it. But he rose victoriously three days later proving that he was the son of God and offering us an eternal hope. This morning, let's stand together and let us sing and remind ourselves of this eternal hope. You know, last night, go ahead and stand to your feet, please. Last night, there was a point in the concert where one of the singers ask everybody to raise their glass or raise whatever drink they had in their hand. And it was such a poignant moment for me because it was almost like in this moment all these 25,000 people acknowledging in this one act a joint and a communal ache and longing that we all have and that we're all trying to deal with. And that we're all going to something, hoping it's going to make us feel better. And I remember in that moment thinking, God, I'm so grateful that when your people gather and when we lift our hands, we actually can lift something that is true and eternal that actually will satisfy, that the word told us that when we partake of him, we will never be hungry and we will never thirst. And so this morning, let's take an opportunity to lift our hearts to him, to lift up your ache and your longing, but to lift up our eternal hope that we have this morning in him. Bow your heads. And then let's worship. Father, our hope is in you, God. You are the reason that we can be real. You are the reason that we can face real problems, real issues that will not be solved just by thinking positive thoughts. But Lord, Real issues that have been generational bondage and curses. Real issues that come with complicated knots in our souls. And yet there is not one single disappointment and ache and area of brokenness that we might feel or face today that your re resurrection does not solve. That you do not have an eternal plan and hope for. And so, Lord, we choose to present both, present our ache and our longing, but to magnify you, 
and to recognize you for who you are. God, I ask right now, particularly for those who are processing right now some heavy, heavy stuff. Lord, I pray, one, that you would direct them to godly men and women, whether it be licensed professionals and counselors or just men and women who love you and know your word and know your truth. Lord, I pray that you would connect them to people and you connect them to community where they can grow and take that next step in you. Lord, I pray that you would give them grace and patience. Lord, even as you begin to unwrap burial clothes piece by piece, I feel like the Lord wants some of you to not lose heart. It's almost like you've been getting free, but you almost feel like everything should be Everything should have already been free and everything, all the burial clothes should have already been off and you shouldn't have any feelings like this anymore. And you are actually, God is giving you way more grace and he's way more patient with you than you are for yourself. And his word for you is not to give up. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. He has not given up on you. He's not tapping his watch and browbeating you for not getting, getting free or getting victory in that area sooner. He is patient. He is loving. And he's not going anywhere. So don't you. Don't go anywhere. Trust him. Trust those that God is drawing to you and bringing around you to draw, draw you out of death into his marvelous light. Lord, I pray your freedom. And your hope would arise in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.